Awesome. Thanks, guys, for leading us in worship. That's good. Uh, if you've been with us the last couple weeks, uh, we've been talking uh, about the spiritual disciplines, the classical spiritual disciplines. It's a series called Imprint, about how we, uh, through the spiritual disciplines, allow God to, to shape us, to form us, to imprint His character on us. But then also, in return, we imprint upon Him like a like a, a chick imprints upon its mother, that we follow wherever he leads, we do whatever he says, we receive whatever he provides, and we give whatever he asks. Uh, so we're imprinted. And uh, this is our third week in the series, and uh, I'm, I really want to be careful to not move too quickly through these, because I really believe that this is a, a good use of our time. It's a good use of our time to really uh, talk about these classical spiritual disciplines that have been practiced since you know, Bible times, that have helped provide some structure and some, some intentionality, some direction to the life in Christ, to help us cultivate, uh, to allow the cultivation of the work of the Spirit in our lives, to uh, help us pursue spiritual maturity. Because sometimes we talk about the life in Christ as if it's all about just salvation. Well, we prayed the prayer, we walked the aisle, we did whatever, and now we're saved, and now we're just waiting for heaven. But if you read the Bible, uh, that's clearly not... Uh, the extent of God's idea, is it? He has, a, he has a dream for us. He has a hope for us. He has a plan for us while we're here. It would appear that God views our life now and our life in eternity with Him as seamlessly connected. That there's this eternality about us that matters both now and forever. And, and part of that pursuit of spiritual maturity is stepping into that reality and beginning to let that reality reflect in how we live, both in our life with Him, but also in our life with others uh, here on earth. And we've said it both weeks, and I think I want to say it every week, but there's this phrase that I think really taps into that reality, into that truth, and it's this. It says, our lives now should resemble and prepare us for life with God in eternity. Our lives now should resemble and prepare us for life with God in eternity. So basically, we're not just waiting for this, at this cosmic bus stop for the Jesus train to come by or the Jesus bus to come by and like take us to heaven. It's like, whew, finally, we're out of this place. The kingdom is at hand. The kingdom invites us in even now. And we have been empowered and called to reveal and represent the kingdom of Christ here and now in our neighborhoods, in our relationships, and in our world. And so uh, our lives now should resemble and prepare us for Life with God in eternity. Now, the path to Christian maturity, our pilgrimage toward Christ-likeness, necessarily travels within and through the practices of spiritual disciplines. Now, I hope that spiritual disciplines aren't completely unfamiliar to you, that you've, you've heard about these things. And we're going to talk a little bit more about these, how sometimes in our, in our upbringing in church, it's been imbalanced. There's been a lot of focus on certain things, but really no attention given to some of these other spiritual disciplines. But one of the big things we're going to do today is I'm going to go through um, one at a time each of the spiritual disciplines that we're going to spend some time talking about and really hoping to cultivate in our lives. And I want to give you kind of a working definition of each of them because we've mentioned them in the last couple weeks, but I think it's good to identify them and define them to some degree before we launch next week into the specific disciplines. Donald Whitney says, the spiritual disciplines are those personal and corporate habits or practices that promote spiritual growth. They are the habits of devotion and experiential Christianity that have been practiced by the people of God 
since biblical times. And we said this last week that spiritual disciplines aren't the result of the last book that was written. You know, I mean, you can't go to Mardell and find the new book that's like, oh, you know, new, you know, a big new, big bright sticker, new spiritual disciplines. <laughs> this has been God's idea all along that we would enter into um, a way of living with him that has direction. It has purpose. Because we talked last week about how discipline without direction is drudgery. It's true. God's provided that direction. He's given us a calling, something toward which we are growing and something toward which we can place our hopes or on which we can place our hopes. So the disciplines have always been there. They've always been the, the, the guide rails or the guardrails uh, in the Christian life. And it's interesting that I'd say guardrails because have you ever driven a car that has something wrong with the steering? I don't know if you... I mean, cars are better now than they used to be, but it used to be, man, you'd hit a pothole wrong or something and something would get out of whack in your alignment. So you've got one, your wheels aren't tracking parallel. One's kind of off to one way or the other, outside or inside. It's towed in or towed out. And if you ever took your hands off the steering wheel, I mean, texting would just be outrageously dangerous, even more so then, because if you took your hands off the steering wheel, it was just like, you know, the car would like pull constantly to one side or the other. You ever had this happen? I mean, where the car's out of alignment? That's kind of like the human life. It's kind of like the human experience, isn't it? And when Paul talks about the, the law of the flesh or the old habits of the flesh, the things about our humanity that bend us away uh, from God, the, you know, the things we call sin, the things that kind of pull us away, even when we come to Christ, those old habits still uh, can hold sway over us. And so it's like if we're not being intentional, if we're not providing the, the intentional inputs toward godliness, uh, if we just let go, all of a sudden we're going to be pulled toward the ditch. Uh, pulled toward the ditch one way or the other. Either we're pulled toward the ditch of the old way of living, of the old habits, or we're pulled toward the ditch of hyper-religiosity. Have you ever known anyone that got into that? They were so determined to beat the old, the old habits, the old ways of the flesh. <laughs> the old ways of the flesh. I think that's yours, Jeremy, maybe? Um, that they just turned into this hyper-religious, pharisaical kind of person that was so rigid and so caught up in uh, religious practice. The do's and the don'ts and the laws and the, you know. So there's a ditch. Every road has two ditches. I think we've said that before. And so it takes intentional input. Uh, you have to have a, a direction in mind to keep yourself from being pulled one way or the other. So the human experience is kind of like a car with bad alignment in that sense. So God provides the spiritual disciplines as a means to keep us on the road, to keep us out of the guardrails, out of the ditches, and keep us moving toward Him. And the goal is what? Christ-likeness. It's Christ-likeness that we're heading toward. And it's not accidental. It's not accidental. No one in the history of following Jesus has accidentally ended up spiritually mature. They've not accidentally woken up one day and say, wow, I have defeated the flesh. I no longer struggle with temptation. I am Christ-like. Who'd have thunk it? I mean, it doesn't happen accidentally. It requires intentionality. It requires discipline. God has given us the spiritual disciplines as a means of placing ourselves before Him and allowing Him to work in us and to imprint His will and His character upon us. And we could spend a lot of time about the, talking about the, the things that need to happen inside of us for us to surrender to that 
for Him to imprint His will on us. Because if His will takes, takes priority in our, our life, guess whose will is not taking priority? Our own. Gah. You know, it's easy to say that, but in reality, have you ever had just a really big knockdown, drag-out fight with your own will? It's like, man, I want to do the wrong thing. I want to do totally the wrong thing right now. And I know it's wrong, but it just sounds so good. You know, I mean, really, it's like in the midst of like giving in to temptation or just struggling with just an old habit like that. Man, it just oh, can be so attractive. And you know it's a train wreck waiting to happen, but it's like, nope, that's what I want. I hate trains anyway, you know. Uh, you, you can come up with all these different kinds of justification in your mind. So what I want to talk about, we've mentioned this before, and this is drawn pretty heavily from Richard Foster's book called Celebration of Discipline, which I'd encourage you to get your hands on and follow along as we study these things. But we've talked about the inward disciplines, the outward disciplines, and the shared disciplines, or the corporate disciplines. And what we find in this is that God's idea is that we would be practicing the spiritual disciplines at all these levels. The inward disciplines are the ones that no one else will see. Just me and God. He sees these disciplines taking root in my life. The outward disciplines are the ones that affect how we live among others, how we, uh, the kind of person we are in our relationships with others. Then the shared or corporate disciplines are the ones that we will share together as a body of believers. The things that we will engage in and the things we will not engage in together. And what we find is that it gives rise to kind of this three-dimensional life in Christ. It provides this three-dimensional experience that keeps us away from having this linear or this very flat experience. But it really adds that, that, that spacious, um, lifelike reality uh, in Christ. So, the inward, outward, and shared spiritual disciplines. Now, the inward disciplines, we're basically going to spend time with three of them. And these are ones that are probably more familiar, but the first one is Scripture. Scripture, and we're going to talk about the head and the heart. So we're going to talk about Scripture study and meditation. Study and meditation. And here's a working definition if you want to write these down. It's giving Scripture our full attention and embracing its teachings. Giving Scripture our full attention and embracing its teachings. The second one is prayer. We talk about prayer quite a bit. We do prayer quite a bit in church. And I hope at some level you do prayer in your own personal life. But to be quite honest, most of the prayers I've said in my life have been before I eat a meal, you know, and that's been the extent of it. And I don't know if that's the same for you, but growing up, you know, I think we said the same prayer at every meal. I mean, verbatim, it was the same prayer, you know. And uh, what if God's idea was that we entered into a more vibrant prayer life, that prayer had a, had a fuller expression in our lives? Prayer, moving close to and keeping company with God. Moving close to and keeping company with God to listen, to share, to commune, to intercede, and to surrender. Okay, so the idea, the visual here is that we're moving in close to Him. And we're just spending time. We're keeping company with Him so that we might be able to listen, to share, to commune, to intercede, and to surrender. The third inward discipline we'll talk about is fasting. So I don't know what your experience has been with fasting. Uh, I, you know, I haven't done it a whole lot. I've done it, but not a whole lot. Uh, sometimes fasting can be abused. I mean, people do it for the wrong reasons. They can do it for very selfish reasons. Uh, but I think a lot of us probably just don't understand why you fast. And so I'm looking forward to discovering some things about fasting together. A good definition of fasting is abstaining from food, activity, etc. Abstaining from food or activity or something else so that we may feast 
on the word and the presence of God. So it's abstaining from doing away with food or activity or something else so that we might feast on the word and the presence of God. Those are the three inward disciplines we'll spend some time talking about. The, the next category is the outward disciplines. Those things that we're doing personally that affect how we interact with the world around us. And the first is simplicity. Simplicity. Now, these may not be as familiar. In the evangelical Protestant church, we kind of have a, kind of ignored some of these. But we're going to rediscover them together. The first is simplicity. It is living free and unencumbered with God so that our possessions and affections can be genuinely enjoyed and shared without destroying us. I'll say it again. Living free and unencumbered with God so that our possessions and affections can be genuinely enjoyed and shared without destroying us. The next outward discipline we'll talk about is solitude. Solitude. And I know this is something we all long for sometimes. It's like, man, I wish I could just get away. And we always visualize this like, you know, mountainside or this island somewhere that we could just go and just be a hermit for a while. But God's idea is that solitude would be uh, something we frequently participate in where we are, whether it's a place in our house, whether it's a place on campus or whatever, that we know we can go and just be alone. We can be by ourselves for a time. Definition of solitude is this. Entering times of stillness and silence to be renewed and restored by God. Entering times of stillness and silence to be renewed and restored by God so that we may be fully present in relationship with others 